Riverstone Connection Podcast Network listeners, welcome back inside the Wrestling War Zone, the Monday Night War Podcast Retrospective Series. I'm JT, and joining me at Movies, my partner Chad. As ever, Chad, how are you? Doing okay. How's it going tonight? Uh, not too bad. Not too bad here on episode 78. Uh, I had an interesting weekend, though. Um, so, Santa brought the kids a trampoline <laughs> for Christmas. All right. Uh, that was purchased via Amazon in October. <laughs> and so I didn't want it shipped here, right, obviously. So it got shipped to my parents. They were away. They were in uh, Florida. So it got shipped, and it was out front of their house. And so me and my buddy Victor go over. My mom texted me. She's like, neighbor said they dropped the package. Should we go? It's this giant box. We carry it, put it in the porch at my parents. I noticed on the box at the time it said box one of two. And yeah. I looked on Amazon and it said, like, hey, sorry for the delay. So I'm like, all right. And then Victor's like, well, I got one and it was only one box. He's like, maybe like everything's in here. And that's why they only sent one. So I'm like, all right. And then honestly, I kind of just didn't think about it again. So Christmas, we we move it over here a couple days before Christmas. Kids get it. They're all excited. I leave it in the garage. I never checked Amazon again. And I'm like. Well, if there was another box, it would have came by now, right? <laughs> For sure. So I kind of don't think about it. Um, this past weekend, uh, my wife was away for the weekend. I had the kids. Saturday looked nice. So I messaged Victor and I was like, hey, do you mind, you know, setting aside the afternoon, coming over, we'll put this thing up. He's like, yeah, absolutely. So he comes over. We carry the box up to the backyard, open it up, start taking the pieces out. I'm like, well, where are the instructions? I don't see the instructions. And then I'm like, this doesn't look like everything to me. Like there's, <laughs> there's no mat. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. Like it's literally just some pipes and right. like the connecting pieces. And I'm like, all right, this is um like this isn't right. So I look on Amazon and it still says like sorry for the delay. And that trampoline's not even available anymore with that company. So oh. shit. So I go I message I go on there and Amazon said you have to message the seller because it's a third party mm-hmm. and give them two days to reply and then we'll get involved. So I'm like, all right, so I do that. But then I'm sitting there. I'm like, all right, like the weather's perfect. I got nothing going on. Victor's here. So I asked him, I said, can you, while I'm dealing with Amazon, can you call BJ's and see if they have any trampolines? So he calls I'm like, oh yeah, we get a bunch. And he's like, okay, we're going to go. So I'm like, fuck it. Let's just go buy one. We'll put it up. And then I'll get the refund from Amazon. So I'm like, my parents are just going home from Florida that morning. This is Saturday. So I'm like, all right, let's stop by there and get my dad's truck. So I go over there. The truck is dead as I pull up because <laughs> they had been gone for three months in Florida. Mm-hmm. Even though I was checking the house, we didn't think to have me like start the car, you know. So I'm like, all right, well, we'll just try and get it in my Jeep. So we load back up, head over to BJ's. We go to the, the aisle. There's one trampoline left. The box is like all fucking ripped and stuff, but I'm like, fuck it. I'm like, I'll guard it. I'm like, let's find someone and see if they got any in the back. And they're like, nope, we only got one. So I'm like, I don't understand. And I worked in retail. I'm like, how do they say, do you think they just check the inventory gun list or whatever? And it said like they had eight in stock or whatever, but there was only yeah, one. Yeah, probably. So I don't know. And we had only called 20 minutes before, you know? So we buy that one, come back and get it all set up. So that was good. Now I have this giant box of trampoline parts <laughs> with no nothing to use for sitting in my garage. 
Um, I didn't get a response to the company. So on Monday, um, I contact Amazon. I do the chat. I was, I ended up calling and I'm like, what's going on? Because when I looked, it said, because it's a third party and it's been so long, it's not like a guaranteed refund. So I'm like, Oh, fucking great. So I call Amazon and in a major twist, she's like, Oh, they've already refunded your money. You'll have it in three days. I'm like, okay. Like, I guess the company got my message and just didn't say anything and just refunded it. So I'm like, they must be, I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only one that got hosed in this, right? It's probably like a part shortage or something. Right. Um, so anyway, and the story is I ended up saving 80 bucks because the one I bought at BJ's was, even though it was like a little bit bigger and it had more like accessories, it was on sale. So I got it cheaper than the other one. I'm getting the refund for the other one. And the only trouble spot is now I have this big box of parts, leftover parts for trampoline. So I'm debating awesome. like, do I put this on like Facebook market and just be like free if you want to come get it? Is there anything I should keep? Or do I just do like a bulk trash pickup with the town? Like just call and Yeah, I don't know if there'd be it. anything I'd want to keep. Um Well and the thing is the other one, that one is a square and the one or a rectangle I should say, and the one I bought at BJ's is a circle. So oh, yeah. like I don't think there's any parts that even would really transition over. Like even the pad that goes around the side, I don't No, think. yeah, no, it wouldn't. Um how many springs did the one you bought end up having? It was a fucking lot. I don't know how many. But the one we lot. put up was 96. Um, yeah, it was Christmas. probably something like that. Yeah. It was a ton. Terrible. Uh, well, let me tell you about my Sunday adventure real quick. So, uh, as you may know, longtime listeners of the PTB Pop Feed, I'm a board gamer. Uh, there's this miniature board game that I play called Shadows of Brimstone. And they have a bajillion pieces to it so there's like three core games and then there's been like 20 to 25 um expansions or whatever so to buy it in retail you're literally looking at probably over two thousand dollars like in retail right buy everything for this game they've had two kickstarters and the problem with the kickstarters is like their kickstarters take two to three years to fulfill so it's a pain in the butt so i've never done the kickstarter but so what happens is a lot of people do the kickstarter and then get disinterested or they get the kickstarter stuff and don't want to do it and whatever so they sell it so i'm on a facebook group for buy and sell and there's some pretty good deals usually but they're always in like phoenix or overseas like the netherlands or whatever (laughs) right right so shipping this stuff, because it's all miniatures, so to ship it would literally be a couple hundred bucks, too. Um, so Sunday morning, all of a sudden, I see an alert that said $500 for my whole collection. I look it up. It looks like it's pretty much the complete collection. Mm-hmm. Biloxi, Mississippi was the location. Okay. So I messaged him, and I was like, well, this was about 10 a.m., and I was like, well, you know, I don't have the kids this weekend. So I was like, I could probably do it today. Or if it's not today, it's going to be in two weeks. Right. You know, when I don't have the kids. Uh, and he said, please come today. So I hopped in the car at 1020, drove down to Biloxi, Mississippi, which is five hours from where I live. Jesus. Uh, and I've never seen so much crap for one game. Like, I had my car completely unloaded. But... When I came back, I was packed to the gills, like, <laughs> looked like I was moving. 
uh, and had to hang on with all the stuff. So I drove down, got the stuff about three o'clock, drove right back, had some Whataburger and pulled back into my house about 8.30 with my uh, Shadows of Brimstone collection. And I've been spending the last three days organizing it. Like, he actually painted all the miniatures. Right. And had... I'll, I'll probably send you a picture, because it's, it's insane. Like, he has this huge tackle box, which has five smaller tackle boxes inside of it. And they're all filled with, like, coins and stuff of the game. Like, it is just massive and sprawling. So, but uh, I'm, I'm pretty excited because, like, legitimately what he gave me retail would have been about, you know, $1,400, $1,500. And I paid $500 plus so I was going to say, so it was all there. worth it then. So Yeah, great deal. Like, yeah. amazing deal. Yeah, and yeah, that's, not, that's unpainted. Like, right. I am not artistic at all, so I wouldn't even attempt to paint this stuff. And, like... Right. It's painted, it looks good, like it looks slick, so it was like a great deal. So, I was happy with that. Well, see, I feel like we had two stories that could potentially have had a wild tale or a bad twist, and they both had a happy ending, so let's go. Yeah, yeah, it was just a weird day, because, like, I literally drove down to Biloxi, loaded a game in my car, and then drove back. It was weird. I've never been to Biloxi, so there you go. You should have visited, it was the uh, home of what, was it, uh... What pay-per-view? Uh, one the, uh, well, Heroes of Wrestling, too. Um, I uh, I was right next to the Beau Ravage. That's where I picked up the stuff I had and was, like, right next to it. So she just made a week, uh, a couple days of it. Yeah. yeah, I thought about it. I actually thought about going in there for a couple hours. but Find, uh, what's his name, the, the Money Mar from Glow uh, sitting at a <laughs> table somewhere? Yeah. All right. Well, I'm glad we had a, a happy ending to our potential prep fall weekend, but here mm-hmm. we are. Uh, so it's pay-per-view night, Chad. It's exciting. Uh, we're in the world of WCW, speaking of the South, and we are in the Lawrence Joel, not to accuse of Billy Joel, Lawrence Joel <laughs> Veterans Memorial Coliseum, Winston-Salem, North Carolina, September 15th, 1996 for this edition of Fall Brawl. Are you excited to talk Fall Brawl? I was excited for this one. Um, a lot of this pay-per-view kind of comes full circle because that was our first pay-per-view on the podcast. That we True. Did. Yep. Uh, and then, as I talked about briefly ending our last episode, I, I feel like this is a show that I'd watched uh, most of the feature matches kind of here and there in mm-hmm. compilation style, but I'd not watched the pay-per-view start to finish in a while. So uh, this, uh, I would say of the back half of 1996, it's this and World War Three that I'm right. at least familiar with as far as full pay-per-views. All right, well, it's time to get very intimate with it. That's what we're going to yeah. do right now. Uh, any news or notes or anything you want to hit before we get in? Or No, I, th- I think we can just dive right in. I don't have anything um, okay. pressing. All right, well, we open with a pretty good recap video of all the events uh, from the New World Order that got us here tonight. We then have Tony Schiavone, Bobby DeBrain Heenan, and Dusty Rhodes welcome us in. Set up the night ahead. We get clips of Sting joining the NWO from last week on Nitro, as well as the NWO destroying Lex Luger's car on Saturday night last night. So one more salvo by the NWO heading in here. And then we get our big opener, as it is Chavo Guerrero Jr. taking on Diamond Dallas Page. This has been a feud we've talked about quite a bit uh, between the Guerreros and DDP. It's been ongoing on on and off on Nitro for weeks now. 
And I think it's a pretty good choice for an opener. It's a well-built feud. DDP is making strides. Chavo gets a big aggressive start. He's beating on Page in and out of the ring. Tony even says, like, Chavo doesn't care about winning this. He just wants revenge for everything DDP's been doing. Page tries to battle back. Chavo's all over him until he finally slips up on the floor and DDP gets to work. We get a usual Page bullying offense with a nice back suplex and dismissive covers. Get a fiery comeback from Chavo. Uh, and, and I thought, you know, at this point, like, things are going pretty well. It's solid. They're staying in their lane. They're meshing well. It's a good story, too, with Paige uh, eventually hitting a side suplex that Chavo counters. We get a really good near fall by Paige on a powerbomb and then finishes off Chavo with the diamond cutter. So I like this. I think DDP has really consistently made progress throughout 96. You know, do I feel like he's moved up the card at all? That I don't know. But I feel like in the ring as a worker, he's consistently been growing and um, less downtime, more, you know, more threading between moves. He's obviously refined the diamond cutter, mixing in the different setups for it. Now, I think he has some good bullying offense and the cutter. The good thing about it too, is it's getting really over and also very well protected. Like when he hits it, it's done. We don't get any kickouts. We don't get any bullshit. Like that's, it's becoming a lethal finish. Uh, I thought Chavo was good here too, with his selling and his timing. So I went two and three quarters. I, I thought it was a, a solid opener. Um, I think page is coming along and Chavo held up his end. Uh, so I had a couple of quick notes before the match. One, like, I like that Tony, Bobby, and Dusty are in tuxedos. It's such a contrast from their hog wild. <laughs> yes. Like, yeah. to go from one month to the other. Uh, others, you mentioned it, but WCW Saturday Night, NWO showing up there. Like, mm-hmm. that's a new thing. Um, I thought that was cool that they, like, destroyed Luger's car, but it happened on WCW Saturday night to give a little juice to that show. Yep. Um, so now it feels like that's kind of must-see TV to one degree or another. Uh, as far as this match is concerned, like, I was really high on it. I ended up going three and a half, actually. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, big, big, big rating. I, I think this is officially when DDP is certifiably good. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel like this match in of itself where you see him getting over, um, he has probably my favorite diamond cutter variation at the end of this match where he goes for it, uh, Chavo blocks it, he stomps on his foot and then absolutely spikes him. Uh, but I think beyond that, like he's getting more over with the crowd. He's learning his cues and then he's mixing in the offense well. Like, uh, he did some stuff here. Like, he goes to the top rope and hits a clothesline. Like, he hadn't done that a while. Um, that gets a big pop. And then his matches are having little stories within them mm-hmm. that keep the match interesting. Like, at the very beginning of this match, DDP kind of gets caught up in the ropes. Chavo drop kicks him to the floor uh, to show that, like, Chavo's starting aggressive. Um, and then like he whips him with his belt, which Dusty loves. But, um, but then about two or three minutes later, uh, he goes into the ropes again. Chavo goes for that drop kick. DDP actually moves and that allows him to take over and start the heat segment. Um, and on top, uh, you know, he, he hits some big moves, um, and he's very like a charismatic prick, does like a short arm back elbow that we hadn't seen before either very much. So overall, I thought this was a very strong performance by DDP. Bobby on commentary talks about how 
much improved DDP is and his ring savviness. And I thought this was a very strong opener. We, we've had some good opener, real good openers on WCW pay-per-views lately. Um, and I, I thought this continued the run. So three and a half stars for me. I thought it was a very good match. You think we're ready to like move DDP up the card though a bit? At yeah, some point well, here? I, th- I mean, I think I think this was a good stepping stone because Chavo got the quick victory, you know, the fluke mm. victory. DDP has a hard fought victory over him. I mean, I know he faces Eddie at the next pay per view, which feels like a pretty good progression. Um, I, I've, I mean, I feel like if they would keep it where he's at then yes, but I feel like he kind of definitively won here. Right. Um, you know, I mean, like, yeah, he stomped on his foot, but didn't really cheat to win. Right. So I like that. So he, he you know, that shows that Chavo was able to get the upset, but now Dallas is able to, you know, you know, gather himself, win a hard-fought match. Now he's moving on to something else. So we'll, so we'll continue to monitor it. Because I know by the end of the year, for sure, he's like pretty molten once right. he gets thrusted into the NWO stuff. But it, it, you can definitely tell like it's it's starting to swell pretty good. So so now it's placement on the card and when we start seeing like merchandise enter the right. parade and stuff like that. So that'll be something to monitor going forward. Yeah, and it feels like to this point he's been kind of in the same spot, like low mid card. So I, I would at least, yeah, at least like that. Like in this match, you know, there's certain things that are just dropped from the out that are right. from the act that felt lower. Like he's not coming out with the cigar. Mm-hmm. The battle ball ring is nowhere to be found. So it's it's uh you know like before with his matches. They would be for the battle boring. Right, whatever. right. Now that that's gone, so uh, we're we're showing improvement in that area. Yep. All right, Harlem Heat, uh, Sister Sherry, and Colonel Rob <laughs> Parker are sitting with a staffer that chatting on CompuServe. Chad, did you ever have experience with CompuServe? No, no CompuServe. I think we talked about this, but uh, by the time I got online, which was late, I mean it was like ninety nine. Uh, it was just AOL. So. Okay. Uh, I did visit the CompuServe right. area a couple times, but nothing special. I don't Gene, think I ever went in any, like I never did, even when we got AOL, I never did like bite this or anything. So I don't know. Yeah, no, me, again, streaming was like tough. Like I, I did have broadband, I think by 102, I guess. So that oh, that's been around good. Like this, but yeah. like we switched to cable because we had dial up forever. I think we switched to cable forever, like probably four or five years. I want to say we switched to cable modem. It was when I was in college and I came home. At one point they did it. So probably like 0102, I think we went to the cable. Yeah, I know we did not have DSL until 04, for sure. It was a while. Right. Uh, mean jeans with us. He has a special report walking through the attack, which is what they're calling the NWO evasion mm-hmm. the attack. So we see about that brings us to our next match, which is the official blow up here. Continuance of fire and ice. We have ice train taking on Scott flash Norton submission match. So interesting stipulation for this one. Tony runs down the list of NWO demands. If they were to win tonight and dusty says, WCW needs to win and put an end to all of this. Usual power collision. 
between these guys. Train gets a little offense in to start, but then it's a, a Scott Norton barrage from there. Big clubbing blows. Bobby says Norton needs to focus on the shoulder because that's been banged up. We know that. Uh, Strain's had that taped up for a while. Tony talks up about how good fire and ice were as a team. He kind of laments that breaking up. Norton goes to the cross arm breaker, gets a first submission attempt, but Ice Train fights through it. He gets an arm bar. Uh, Norton doesn't give up there. And we get a nice spot where Train does a big leaping splash, but he eats Norton's knees on the way down. Teddy gets in the mix and gets choked, but that allows Train to grab the full Nelson and actually lift and swing Norton and throw him to the mat. And Norton tapped, which I thought was a major upset. Um, I did not see that coming at all, that he was going to get Scott Norton to tap clean. Uh, this is a pretty fun little power battle. The Teddy stuff was clunky, but it was a good finish. And surprising to see Norton tap like that definitely caught me off guard. So big win for Ice Train. And we'll see if we're finally done with this feud and where things will go. So I went two stars um, and I thought it was a very, very surprising ending here. Yeah. So uh, the attack by Gene, I thought that was a good role for Gene. He did mm-hmm. good narrating that. This match itself, I went two stars as well. Um, good power moves, but, um, ice train selling was awful. I thought so. It was, it was kind of a contrast where I liked the big, you know, beefy moves, but like when he was in that, they called it a code red, the cross arm breaker, like he was doing nothing. Like there was no struggle. There was no facial grimacing. It was just he was laying on the mat. So that that was disappointing, he, especially because, like, you have Teddy teasing, throwing the towel in. It's like, for what? Like, he's not, you know, he's not even screaming out in pain. Um, when Ice Train does get a, a Fujiwara armbar, which uh, Tony calls the Japanese armbar, he gets that on uh, Scott Norton. Norton is groaning more, um, and he's doing okay, but... Again, like I, I thought for a submission match, and you really needed to get a sense of uh, more struggle, more selling on that, and we didn't get it here. Uh, finish was impressive to see from Ice Train. Yes. I, I do agree with you that I thought Norton would probably win the feud. I, I think this feud, as it's played out, it's shown that Norton has more upside. Right, train is still pretty green and um, has has some struggle areas, and and it feels like a situation where Ice Train kind of needs to be in the tag team that can hide him some, mm-hmm. whereas Norton could go off as a singles and be fine. Uh, so Norton, uh, so Norton losing here, I think, was a mistake, um, and tapping out felt weird too. But I guess that's just the nature of the stipulation. Uh, afterwards, when Teddy's like heading to the back and shaking up, Bobby, of course, uh, says he looks like he had some of Mrs. Guerrero's chili. So, <laughs> always throws that line in there. It's like, always, I mean, how much, how much chili is Mrs. Guerrero making? <laughs> churning it out for everyone. Yeah, Bobby's talking about it every show. Yeah, I definitely was surprised. Like, I think, um, I'm with you that, I mean, I guess you look at it, you say, okay, well, maybe Ice Train. Um, they just want to end the feud, have the face go over, et cetera. But Norton's got way more potential um, to do something here. And just the fact that they had him tapped to me was the biggest surprise. Like Norton mm-hmm. feels like those guys, like a bad news Brown type of guy that like would never like tap out or be put in that position. Like just because he's just like a real pure strong man. 
in real life. So it really surprised me um, to see him actually get tapped out by this dude. It's not like Ice Chain's a submission specialist, you know what I mean? Um, right. I think they would have been better served maybe to, if you're going to do this, like Train lifts him and like slams him to the mat and he clocks his head and like gets just knocked out and they give him the win that way versus Norton actually tapping. But at least the move was impressive. He didn't do like some half-ass Boston Crab or something. Like at least he like it actually looked really cool and it's I guess it was believable that someone could tap out to that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, though it was a very good uh, full Nelson. That always seems to be kind of like a strong man finisher that they like using too. But yeah. Um, Kind of odd. I mean, well, these these are also two guys I'm interested to see, like, where they go from here. So keep that in mind. All right. Let's get to our next match. Right back to the ring as Juventud Guerrera is challenging Conan for the Mexican title. Uh, this is a spark. Of course, was supposed to be um, Super Kalo, right? Who got hurt? Uh, psychosis. Oh, Psychosis on that yeah. intro. Um, talked about that. Conan's full transformation is underway. He's now with Jimmy Hart in the Dungeon of Doom, and he's very violent to star. He's throwing Hoovy around the ring with abandon. Tonight, says Conan, told him WCW tried to Americanize him, but now he's back to his way of life, the uh, Cholos of Mexico for today. Tony tonight reminded us <laughs> that Conan hurt Psychosis. That's why he's out. And that's why Hoovy got the match instead. Hoovy's knee gets banged up as he falls to the floor. Conan pounces on it. Hoovy's doing a great job here, making Conan's offense look really strong and hard-hitting. Tanae plugs his candid chat with Harry Bischoff that you can hear on the hotline. He says he'll also address the rumors around Scott Hall and Kevin Nash. So you can tell they're uh, <laughs> activated quickly to shut down this bullshit. Yeah. Jermoss is spewing. Hoovy has a couple of comebacks, but more impressive is all the offense he's taking, just absorbing a ton of it, including some big snap power bombs. Uh, Conan has the drop kick off the apron to the floor, really opening it up. Nice wheelbarrow throw by Conan to end a Hoovy hot streak. And then we get a good back and forth. Hoovy shows a lot of guts hanging and hanging as Conan empties the tank. Hoovy survives a muscle buster, just taking a pure ass kicking, but not giving in until Conan finally finishes him with the power up drop. Uh, I, I thought it was a really fun match. I, li- I really liked Conan's power offense. I thought this is the best he's looked. I don't know if he's motivated by the new gimmick, or maybe he's just a good mesh with Hoovy, who really can fly around and bump for him. I thought Hoovy was awesome, never saying die, uh, selling his ass off, flying around the ring. Yeah, I thought it was a really good start to the new new look Conan, a guy we've been really down on over the last year. And uh, Hoovy really makes a mark. You could tell he knew this was a shot. So I went three and a half, Chad. Um, I really, really like this match. Okay, so we kind of reversed. I'm I'm three here. Mm-hmm. I I liked it. Um, I th- I thought Conan starting out aggressively right away was very nice on his new look, new attitude, etc. Uh, absolutely, Charles Hoovy with the German suplex lifts him up and sends him to the outside, and the crowd's reacting big. Um, who Hoovy still? I feel like Hoovy's like the ultimate try hard guy um around this time still where he's trying all these different innovative moves some are hitting some aren't like he does this triple jump kick from the other ring which looked really neat uh also does a great tope and then when he uh, jumps off the railing looking for rana and conan catches him to powerbomb on the floor that was really good so, so I, I thought this match would have benefited greatly from being about three to four minutes shorter mm-hmm. because Conan uh, kept hitting like variations of the power bomb and they looked impressive, but he kept going back to it. And, and then uh, there was also a few minutes 
where or a few moments where um Conan kind of needed to catch his breath. Like there was one very awkward moment where Hoobie walks. They were in the ring farthest from the entranceway, and Hoobie walks outside from that ring to the entranceway. Meanwhile, Conan's just like talking to Jimmy Hart about nothing. Like they said, well, he's strategizing, but it, it was like the match just completely stopped for 30 seconds, I think, for Conan to catch his breath. So that was, that was weird. Um, I did like, uh, and this is kind of a little uh, Easter egg, but um, the spot where Hoovy runs into the ring ropes and comes out and Conan kind of kicks him in the butt and yep. goes flying through the ropes. That is a signature spot of Hooventude's dad, Fraser Guerrero. Oh, nice. Um, okay. So, so that was a nice little like callback there. Uh, otherwise, uh, once we get into the finishing stretch with the pin and reversals and uh, Conan gets stuck in the rope, Hoobie does a clothesline to him, uh, kind of spinning splash by Hoobie gets another two, uh, but then uh, Conan makes his final comeback, hits the wheelbarrow slam and the splash mountain to win it. So, so again, three stars, good match. I think it's probably the best that Conan's looked. Oh yeah. Uh, which isn't saying much, but his new look, new attitude had some new viciousness, um, some very crazy innovative spots in this match. It just felt a little too disjointed for me at times too. Uh, so that's why I went at three stars. Do you like this? change for conan as far as gimmick like i think it was needed. i mean he needed something yeah yeah um it's a little weird because we talked about how the dungeon of doom feels kind of lame mm-hmm. now like the giant just bolted so it's, it's right. almost like um it's almost like on a sports team when they trade off somebody but then they sign like this josh aging, donaldson yeah this aging <laughs> veteran yeah, josh donaldson. <laughs> the new attitude coming in um yeah it, it is kind of weird um but uh but he definitely needed something different and right. his new look i think looks way cooler you know uh, oh yeah his, his, his gear was funky before um, well, it felt it didn't, especially with the direction WCW is going with a more like realistic presentation overall. Yeah, I know the dungeon's still there, but even that's getting a little less hokey, right? Like it's still filled with some goofs, but they're more of a just like sinister gang versus like you know a mystery box of nonsense like we had a year ago. Um, yeah. So I think overall, like seeing Conan dressed, you know, like all this weird garb is, I guess, basically like a superhero. This feels much more um, real and gritty and honest and like current. Mm-hmm. So it's it like this it feels cooler to see him out there like in this what's ostensibly a gang outfit, right? Um, and it makes it almost brings some legitimacy and makes the dungeon seem cooler too. Like oh, like this gang affiliated dude dressed like this and talking, you know, more about like being on the streets and that kind of attitude almost makes the dungeon seem tougher by proxy. Um, as well by having them just be part of it. Would the giant out of the way and Sullivan kind of being de-emphasized, uh, it does feel kind of like all of a sudden Conan's kind of their yeah, singles yeah. Yeah, star. So that I mean, there's not much competition. It's what Bubba, Bubba, yeah. Hugh Morris, the Leprechaun. Like, who else have they got? Max oh, I guess Muscle. the face, Faces of Fear. Mm-hmm. All right. 
Right back to the ring. Not not much messing around on the show at all. No, no. Gene, I don't think was. I don't think he was there. I don't know. I may That's need good. to get we that. We needed a break. Yeah, I mean, he did the attack narration, which was good. But uh, when they did a interview segment in the back, it was Tanay. So, um, I'm I'm not complaining. Hey, I'm okay with that. After that, the last couple episodes, with him, <laughs> yeah. we needed the break. Yeah, I'm right. on the case. Yeah. Amazing match here to throw out on pay-per-view with no bills, yep. just on yep. paper. We can run out Chris Jericho versus Chris Benoit uh, on pay-per-view. A huge spot for Jericho early. We know Benoit's been on fire. We've been talking about it. Tony mentions that these guys have wrestled before in Japan. Benoit is nasty early. It's a vicious spike to the mat. It's going right at Jericho. We get some debating from Dusty and Tony. They wonder if Benoit or Mongo will step in for Sting in War Games, since it seems like he's now joined the NWO. They also wonder if we'll see the new man from the NWO here tonight, the one that we saw in the limo. Jericho goes at the leg, but is banged up. He can't capitalize. Really hard-hitting fight style with some heavy blows and bombs. Benoit takes Jericho to the floor of the suplex. We get some big chops and strikes by Benoit into an abdominal stretch. just really yanking on Jericho. Jericho survives the headbutt, but Benoit is just all over him. Still battering him, working the back. Uh, these matches tonight are all getting a lot of time as well. Like this one, definitely they had a lot of time to breathe. We get a really good comeback from Jericho as a ramping up. Timing is on point here too, where everything makes sense and escalates a really hard fought fight between two aggressive wrestlers. Uh, Benoit hits a really nasty back superplex and picks up the win. So I this is a great match, a ton of energy, uh, big hard offense. Benoit is a machine. Uh, a star maker match with Jericho too. He came in with a really good rep, of course, but coming out here and like putting this on uh, on pay per view is like a, an instant, just weeks into his WCW career. Like, oh god, this guy can go. This is a potential star. A uh, really solid fight. They got a lot of time. The crowd stayed engaged. Engaged. Um, it was just a pure fight. And I, I think a good comp for us is like that Malenko Benoit match, right? That we kind of maligned a bit at, at Hog Wild. Yeah. Um, where the crowd was lost in it, and it felt more like an exhibition. This felt like two good dudes out there really trying to beat the shit out of each other. So I thought this had a much more fun feel to it. This is the match that should be held up more than that one. Uh, and, and maybe it is. Uh, but if, in my mind, it should be either way. So I went four stars, Chad. It does a really good fight. Four stars for me, too. A great match. Kind of a match for me for WCW that showcases them at their best um because you think about like the great matches we've seen on wwf pay-per-view up to this point Mm -hmm. and besides the rockers versus the orient express at royal rumble 91 i can't think of one that didn't have like a belt or a very intense feud behind it Right. Um, it, it just feels like they never have these kind of let's throw some guys out there and it turns out to be a great match. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably the closest actually is Austin versus Marrow at King of the Ring. Right. And that was very good, but not like, not as good as this. And um, it's told a great story. I mean, it, it's, a, it's kind of the classic story of uh, another sports analogy, but, you know, like Benoit is kind of the the established star on the team and you got like a rising freshman or someone that's, you know, looking to kind of take that mantle to be the workhorse in the company and the promotion. And uh, Benoit's going to force him to like gain his respect by showing his toughness and beating the crap out of him. And 
he laid a beating here. It was a brutal match. I, I liked it. It showcased like Jericho having the flash and um, getting the offense on that stuff. Uh, but Benoit having the viciousness. Uh, Jericho hitting that drop kick right to the back of the head mm-hmm. and then doing the springboard drop kick, sending him to the floor was a great spot. Um, and then he gets that nasty like back elbow where you see him thud on the apron, which looked gross. Uh, Benoit then hits the back suplex to the floor. He gets sent to the post. He just ferocious on top. Uh, and then Jericho, though, is very good underneath with some great uh, hope spots and then gets the tombstone, says, come on, baby. Uh, but the lion salt misses. I thought the commentary was very strong here as well, mm-hmm. where Dusty is good presenting Jericho well. He actually says, like, at one point I'm going to go out on a limb and say that Jericho's going to be a major star in WCW and whatever. So good on Dusty that he was able to recognize that. Uh, finish I thought was well done, too, where Jericho's on the top, Benoit crotches him, and then he hits that top rope back superplex, which looked nasty, and uh, that wins it, you know, like that one major, major high-impact move to finish it off. So four stars, great match. Uh, one that I think gets talked about a decent amount, but um, I, I would say should be watched more. I, I thought it was a really good back and forth match that had a lot of action, but also told a great story too. Could we call it a hidden gem, or do you think it's too known? Uh, I think we can probably call it a hidden gem. Yeah, I think so too. I, I feel like you're right. Like it's talked about, but not enough. Like. It, it's really good, and it's. Let me see what Davy Boy gave it. It's such an immediate statement from Jericho, like this guy is here, and he fits in with these other guys. And I really like the comps of the Malenko match. Like I feel like that's the one you hear about a lot, um, but this is the one that really, to me, is worth Man. the rewatch. Boy, Dave was stardust on this show. Holy crap! Oh yeah, what do you go five? It's on crazy. Well, no, like. Like, his ratings up to the final two matches, which we'll get to that, because those are interesting, too. But so far, he's went three and a half on DDP versus Chavo, a star and a four for Train versus Norton, then three and three quarters for Conan, Hoovy, and four for this one. He's loving the show. Yeah, he's he's digging it. And then we got a couple more pretty monster ratings coming up. So, All right, so we'll see where Jericho fits in. It'll be interesting, too. Um is, you know, we've seen Conan kind of slide over to the heel side. So does Jericho fill a gap there where he was in the face side? Um, we'll see how quickly they elevate him because they obviously have something in him on a face point of view. So it'd be interesting, too, to see some of these guys like the NWO. We've talked about this hasn't fully ensconced the whole promotion yet. Right. Uh-huh. So, like, when does everybody get involved in that? Right? Because right now it's kind of not everybody. It's. Just a bunch of people and others are still kind of just plying their own little trade elsewhere. So, yeah, I mean, so like so far on this show, we'd had nothing NWO directly in the matches, right? So, the the closest we'd gotten was Nick Patrick, I think, had refereed a couple matches so far. All right. Next match, we have Rey Mysterio Jr. taking on Super Kolo. Uh, Calo, Calo. I feel like I say it different every time. I generally think I say Super Calo, but yeah, 
Okay. Uh, we keep the cruiserweight division churning here. Nice match. Can, hang, hang on. I got. I got a quick aside. How would you say? So the video game plumber. How do you pronounce that? Super Mario. Mario. Okay. I heard an Italian guy today say Mario. Mario. Yeah, Mario, like Mario Lemieux, and it mm. drove me nuts. It drove me absolutely nuts. Yeah, I was like, a, you would never say Mario and Luigi. Like no. it's Mario. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I've I've always been a Mario pronouncer, but I've I've heard Mario before. Oh, but I boy. think even I would say Mario Lemieux. Oh yeah. See, I I think I would say Mario Lemieux, but mm. I don't know. Mario, I guess. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Carry on. <clears throat> so Rey Mysterio defending his cruiserweight title here in this match against Super Kolo. There you go. <laughs> nice match. Tonight hypes up what a chance this is for Kolo as he's breaking out as a star. Talks about the history, how he got his looking name for a popular rap group in Mexico. Kolo mm-hmm. slows things down to start, works the arm. Rey starts to pick up the pace. Kolo comes back and grounds him. Dusty gives his thoughts on what makes a true lucha style, which is interesting. Today explains the blending of international styles as Kolo only has a lucha background, not Japanese or U.S., so he doesn't have the usual mix that a lot of these guys have. Kolo a wild dive to the floor, follows with a nice slingshot, somersault senton. Kolo's completely dominated the match. He's working the arm, battering Ray, grinding him down. Ray finally strikes with a nice snap drop kick and takes to the air. Kolo hits a drop kick as Ray comes off the top. Again, another long match that kind of grinds along. Ray gets a Frankensteiner from the apron to the floor for a big bump. This is where I felt things finally started to pick up. Ray dodges a dive. Kolo bounces off the ropes and lands hard. And Ray finishes with a springboard runoff for the win. Uh, This was good. It was different. Not the spot fest you would expect or think. It was kind of more of a rugged down by Kolo. And Ray uses his aerial attack to finish. So it's kind of a different side of Ray. And I think Kolo looks like a player. But I can't say I was the most engaged in this match especially coming off of Jericho Benoit, I would have liked to see another flying match, not like this felt like a light version of what we just watched with Kolod just bullying Ray around um, and Ray trying to use his, his speed to come back just like Jericho did. So I only went two and three quarters on this. Two um, and three quarters? Yeah, I know. Oh. I, just, I just didn't get into it. I don't know. I just, I just struggled with it. Okay, I went three and three quarters. Oh, wow. I was I was going to shit on the crowd, but now I'm going to shit on you. Um. I, I I think the crowd in. No, no, you're right. Three and three and three quarters. Okay, how's it say two and three quarters? I'm looking at my spreadsheet. I have three and three quarters. I okay. looked at, on my document. I had uh, I missed a star. That's my problem. So I still didn't get into it as much as you should have, but it was still really good. Well, I I liked it um, as a contrast. I do think mm-hmm. that the arm work was a little different from Benoit Jericho in that it was more targeted like more targeted limb uh i actually felt very like old school i mean so lucha libre kind of has some of these like classic wrestling matches with el dandy and angel azteca uh from 1990 and whatnot negro casas but um it to me it actually felt a little like uh nwa 70s style with the arm work on it and um I thought I thought the Winston Salem crowd was unfortunately kind of dead for most of it, uh, but yeah. I, uh, Dusty I thought was into it, and I did like his discussion on what lucha libre is, and him talking about it's all about using leverage. Mm-hmm. Pretty astute. Uh, there's also a funny moment in here where uh, Tanae had talked about like 
needing an interpreter to do some of his interviews or whatever. And Dusty makes some comment. I can't remember now where he said like, you don't need an interpreter to understand that. And then Bobby tells Dusty that he always needs an <laughs> interpreter. Like Bobby has some pretty funny lines here. Um, Ray's gear with the purple, white and orange looks really good. Uh, and overall the mat work was good. Like Ray continued to sell the arm. It wasn't like it was dangling off his uh, body at all times and he couldn't use it at all but it was a continued selling of the limb that carried some nuance that I would like to see more in wrestling today. I think there is, uh, uh, who do I want to pick on Will Ospreay or Becky Lynch, but those are kind of the two most egregious individuals that I can think of that a lot of times get a lot of praise for selling stuff when i feel like it can be very overly emoti and um you know i'm screaming like my hair is on fire after one offensive move on this arm but i'm still gonna you know forget it at other points in the match so it's either all or nothing um right here again was constantly reminding you that an arm was hurting but it wasn't like it was you know life or death it was just it was bothersome uh and then when he does do his uh comeback that looks really good um overall another funny bit on commentary dusty at one point says he's 36 years old in this match and then bobby asked him what leap year he was born in <laughs> great line like they have good chemistry yeah. tonight. so i mean they usually do but it was great uh final comeback with ray i thought was well done and uh like you said it'd been a more ground oriented map based match ray hadn't really had a chance to shine show some of his highlights he does in the final uh, stretch of the match. It looks really flashy. It wakes the crowd up. He gets the big win with the double jump Rana and uh, continues his run. Like he's had a very strong run to the start of his WCW career. This isn't as high as the Malenko match or the Psychosis match, but I, I thought this was like a worthy addition to a Ray in WCW 1996 comp tape, like a, mm-hmm. a different style match, but one that was successful for me, three and three quarter. Yeah, I mean, I guess with the grade fix, I'll alter my comments a bit. Like, I, again, I still think I would have liked to see a little bit more of the flying style coming off the mm-hmm. match before, but it was still really good. Like, it was still the focus. I think Kolo showed well, and it just shows us how loaded this roster is. Like, on this show alone, we've had Jericho's pay-per-view debut, Kolo's yep. pay-per-view debut, like, you know, Hoobies so much pay-per-view debut. Yeah. Hoobies. I mean, just reloading the back end of this roster um, and starting to slowly, right. I think we're going to filter out some of the, the dead wood, at least from a pers- like um profile perspective. So like, the yeah, wall, I mean, the you're bubba. not getting, you're not getting Joe Gomez, uh, no, uh, Tenta and, stuff like that bubba and yeah bubba yeah. duggan wall street duggan like, yeah all those that's freaking guys good, yep. we've seen a lot on pay-per-view um god just think back to slamboree remember that poo poo oh, shit yeah. we had at the battle royal and everything like right just said they've just you know bolstered so much of the back end of the roster and it just makes things so much deeper and i think that's that's like one of the biggest takeaways for me for this match is yeah. just how how the depth they've built Chavo too. So like yeah, each of the five matches has had 
besides Ice Train Norton, like we've had a debut, uh, pay-per-view debut so far, and they all feel fresh. And the cool thing is that's coincided in those matches with the other individual, like the quote-unquote more established mm-hmm. person they're facing. Uh, you're still seeing advancement from them. Yep. So, like, you know, DDP's looking better than he has before. Conan's looking better than he has before. Benoit still looking great before like Ray's mm-hmm. still rising up and becoming more of a household name. So, so it's, it's, it's really cool that you're getting debuts from impressive talent, but then the people they're with are not stagnant either. Like they're actually improving too. Like this, this is a, this is a roster right now mm-hmm. that it'll be interesting to see like 97 or 96, like, where do we think's like, the most stacked they're at? And um, it's possible I might put right, you know, plant, plant my flag and right around this point in time. Let's we'll see, because, I mean, 98 is freaking loaded, too. 98 is loaded, too. I just feel like it gets bloated people, as well. It may be bloated, and some mm. may be on the decline a bit. Like, Rey Mysterio, I think, has a, a bona fide case as wrestler of the world in 1996. Right. And I don't, you know, not in 98 and there's some other like flair, I think certainly worse in 98. So, but, but we'll get there. That, that, that's something to really kind of digest and think about because it is like somebody like Kolo who I don't think he, I mean, he's in a couple of like six mans, I think, but I don't know if he even has another singles match on pay-per-view. I, I can't remember one offhand. Oh, but, um, yeah. Yeah. But he, you know, this was like a good, like to me, showcase showing for him, but he's, he's somebody that's kind of added to the mix. Like he was fun. So there you go. The um, crazy thing to me is the race. I've been here four months mm-hmm. and he feels like a veteran. Like you just listen yeah. to the guys, you know what I mean? Like it's crazy just how quick things have moved here in WCW right. Right. Right years ahead. All right. Well, well, we fast <laughs> feel in the future with a lot of stuff. This still yeah. feels like maybe a little bit of taste of 95 mm-hmm. here. Although you've been a bit higher on the nasty boys. You've, you've been okay with them, um, but they finally get their long way to title match here against Harlem heat. They've been bitching about it nonstop. It's crazy to me that, you know, it, it's, we've talked about this too, as we've gone, like when will some of this lingering stuff get phased out? In in the NWO era, right? Like something like this still hanging around. But the Nasties have at least been tangentially tied to the NWO stuff. So they don't feel like they're really in their own world fully, even though this match feels a bit dated. Um, Harlem Heat have Sherry and Parker, as always. Dusty says the Harlem Heat's biggest issue is the love machines at ringside. <laughs> a lot of nonsense early. Dusty says the Nasties are filibustering, worrying too much about Sherry and Parker instead of focusing on the match. The crowd's pretty into the nasties here, though. It's still quite mm-hmm. over. Uh, Bobby talks up classic tag strategy as Nobbs heats up and clobbers away on Booker. Uh, Harlem Heat takes over with some help from Parker and Sherry. They grind away on there, get a lot of chin locks, but the crowd stays with them. The nasties keep getting tripped up by Parker and Sherry. The numbers game overwhelms them. Bobby calls them stupid for falling for it constantly. Dusty and Tony are all over them. Kind of like, what more can you do? Sherry finally gets yanked into the ring, and Sags gets a good near fall on a roll-up. Sags then hits a big pile driver for two. Parker strikes again and tries to trip Sags off the top and then baits him outside, where Stevie decks him. A long match here as it ebbs along. You get a double heat segment. Yeah. But the crowd is hanging in, really into the nasties. They, they again have the match won, but Parker and Sherry yet again get involved. And Harlem Heat end up stealing the win to retain. 
Uh, I will say, Chad, this was a pretty good little match. I was surprised. It was hard hitting. <laughs> they got again got a lot of time, which has been consistent on this card. The crowd was into it. I liked the against the odds style that they worked with Parker and Sherry, consistently overwhelming them. A little slow at times, but you know, I actually thought Parker and Sherry were positive here for once instead of detracting from the match. They felt like classic Sherry, where just all like an old school savage match with Sherry at her peak, right? Just all all over the place, constantly getting involved and running interference. So I, I enjoyed this way more than expected. I went three stars. Oh wow, yeah, I'm a little lower, two and a half. Um, it was a it was a very kind of classic style tag. Uh, like you said, it did have the double face and peril sequence for each of the nasty boys. Uh, I like the Nasty Boys blue shirts they were wearing. Those mm-hmm. those are kind of cool looking tonight. Um, and I agree that Sherry and Parker too, but especially Sherry was kind of a force of nature throughout this match. Like constantly involved around. She she her whole look was very bizarre. Um, like wearing these chaps and had a different haircut like i don't know it was it was a different whole different look but um she interjected herself throughout the match it was pretty entertaining Mm -hmm. i I thought the effort was there for sure it was just the limitation of a lot of their athletic abilities um you know i was thinking when like the harlem heat was making their entrance coming down i was like it's pretty bad if you're in stevie ray's shoes and you're the fourth best worker on your (laughs) yeah on your like duo or team team when uh you have a manager and a valet included it's like he's worse than the manager he's worse than the valet so that that kind of sucks um so yeah i mean overall a very long tag but again this was a nice contrast to the 95 fall brawl that terrible buckhouse buck slater match um that that you know this wasn't a great match that you need to see immediately but this was also not a card killer and actually like you mentioned the nasty boys had more heat and a better reaction than uh the previous match like i'd say the crowd was more into this than colo and mysterio which my ratings don't reflect that but that's just the way it was like the nasties were over and had Mm -hmm. a lot of appeal and the one near fall when they thought they'd won the title got a real good pop. Um, I thought Sags continues to be pretty sneaky fun um, in this match. He had a couple of uh, clubbering back elbows and forearms that looked good uh, and stiff. Uh, so so overall, I mean, a decent tag. I, I, I am ready, I think, for the tag division as a whole to uh, have the outsiders insert themselves. Right. Yeah, uh, it's starting to feel kind of like a, a a little bit of a a glaring hole, you know, that you have this dominant outsider team that is running roughshod over the promotion, but they haven't made a stake at the uh, claim of the WCW tag titles yet. So that that should be happening sooner rather than later. Yeah, we've been a fan of the tag division all year for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is feeling a little passe not being involved uh, in the NWO with them kind of coming for everything big. So we'll see. Um, what did Dave give this match? Oh, yeah. So that was so he did give Colo four stars. Mm-hmm. 
three and a half on this. Oh, yeah, collection. okay. So, big, big, big Davey was feeling it. It's a fun tag match. It's probably the yeah, best we've seen these two in a while. Maybe since the two below brawl. It's an interesting match. I, I, I may need to rewatch because um, it's one that I'll really like the structure of. Mm-hmm. I just thought the work in of itself was a little maligned, but. All right, Mike Tenay's backstage with the Macho Man, Randy Savage. He's all over the place. Uh, but he says he's an evil necessity for WCW, and he'll hit a grand slam against the Giants. Tonight, the only thing he can think of is to take him out, and then he'll go to Halloween Havoc and rip out Hulk Hogan's heart. Savage will focus on Giant first before Havoc arrives, but this is going to be a message for the New World Order. So it, this is pretty much on brand with it, what Savage has been lately, just kind of manic and crazy, but at the end of the day, you know, issues a dire warning that he's about to come destroy someone. Yeah, crazy promo has his WCW Nitro shirt on, so he's a company man. Uh, so good for him. Was it before this? Yes. Before this, we also had Flair shilling the Fall Brawl t-shirt, which <laughs> yep. was 1995. Uh, you know, that, well, that was pretty fun, like <laughs> Flair dancing in the back with his shirt on. Then yep. you could be styling out the nature boy. <laughs> Woo! But, uh, uh, you know, not, not much insight from Savage, of course, but a typical loony promo that uh, draws you in as the viewer and you're more juiced for his match than you would have been if he hadn't heard it. So he did an effective job there. All right. Well, we head right to the ring for this big grudge match as Randy Savage takes on the giant. It's been well built. You know, we've talked up Savage really attacking giants failures, blaming him because giant took the title, the shot against Hogan that Savage wanted. He let WCW down. And then as a result, giant basically said, fuck off, switch sides, (laughs) join the NWO. So we get a big pop for Savage as he comes out. Giant comes down the entranceway. At first, he's got the Dungeon of Doom music, and then that cuts into the NWO music, which is kind of an odd way. I don't know if it's supposed to be like a symbolic change, I guess. Yeah. Um, Giant charges the ring, but Savage keeps him at bay. Dusty's really worried because Nick Patrick is the official here. We get a big spot where Savage tries to slam Giant on the floor, but Giant falls on top of him, then picks him up and press slams him back into the ring. Giant lays in some big shots and works the back fully in control. Hooks in a really cool-looking Boston Crab. Savage come back, comes back and focuses on the legs, trying to take Giant down. He starts to make some progress. Savage finally slams Giant. That gets a big pop. Then he hits the big elbow, but out comes Hollywood Hogan. He baits Savage down the aisle with the Outsiders attack and beat him down. Nick Patrick is ignoring everything, just talks to Giant in the ring. As Savage gets murdered with a chair and shoved back inside where the Giant finishes him off. Dusty is losing it on Nick Patrick here at the end <laughs> uh, as the NWO strikes again. I, I enjoy this. Um, I thought Giant was really aggressive and focused in his attack, working over the back. Savage's quick strike comeback was good, too, as always. He found his one opening and knew that was it. I was surprised with the outsider attack that, that them and Hogan got involved in this match, but I liked it because they continue to win mental and physical wars. It shows that Hogan maybe deep down see Savage as a threat, saw a chance to to you know put a beating on him before Halloween Havoc. Even though they got a big match later tonight, they still found it worthy of their time to attack him. So I thought this was all really well done. Uh, I think it could have went worse given the contrast of styles on paper, but I enjoyed it. And plus, Savage saying it'll look cool too. So I went two and a quarter. All right, so this is where me and Mr. Meltzer flip. He went star and a half. I I, I ended up giving this three stars. I thought this was very successful for what mm-hmm. it was. Um, 
like a seven minute match, but really juiced and um, shows the gravity on the back end of this card. Like I like they presented this as a grudge match. It's it's really a few that's had more investment than I remembered. Like this is this is one of these great feuds that I, I'm appreciative of watching the TV and then watching the match in itself because. I think this is something even like when we watched it on the yearbook, like we cut straight to the finish and the NWO attack on the entrance right. way. And we didn't get all the uh, kind of buildup of Savage facing bigger guys in preparation and then Giant turning to NWO and how much effect that had uh, due to Savage and whatnot. So, so a lot of great kind of uh, back story to build into this match. Savage gives away Slim Jims on the way to the car, uh, on the way to the ring. The uh, music fading to the NWO was weird, like you said. He mm. also had his green lights still, so I don't know. They, they I guess it was a choice, right? It wasn't a screw up. Yeah, it felt like they were trying to make it like a um, changing of yeah, the guard. Changing, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I, I don't know if they fully have fleshed out the aesthetic of him so a little weird uh savage going for that slam on the entrance but the weight pushing him Mm -hmm. down was pretty nuts and then giant being able to just press slam him from the uh outside of the floor over the top rope looked very impressive Uh, i like the control by giant again he focused on the back it's a big backbreaker. He walks in a crab, which looks nasty. A uh, bear hug, uh, which allows Savage to rake the eyes. Um, he uh, jumps off the top rope, but gets caught and slammed down, but he misses the knee. And now Savage is kind of going crazy again with the uh, spiking giant head first. Uh, he punts him, and the Winston-Salem crowd's going nuts. He goes for the top with the elbow, hits it. It looks good. Uh, and then Hogan comes out. So, again, like, this crap finish, to me, still works because it leads to something the next month. So, it, this leads very well into Savage versus Hogan. Um, kind of finishes the feud. Uh, I, I thought this was very successful. You still mm-hmm. had Patrick quote-unquote ignoring all this which has dusty going nuts want to revoke his license like he's angel hernandez um <laughs> it, it was a it was a, a lot going on here a lot of moving pieces but i thought it was very successful and i didn't think this made the giant i didn't think this made the giant look weak either so right no three stars all right, so we're having a pretty hot night here, uh, mm-hmm. for sure. We're, we're rolling. Not much to be down on. We get our ad for Halloween Havoc coming up next month. We then get Mike Tanay, who's with Ric Flair, Arn Anderson, and Lex Luger. Tanay asks Flair who's replacing Sting, and Flair says the horseman has stepped aside. He also calls today Gene. <laughs> He's completely locked in. <laughs> Arn says Lex lost a friend, they lost a partner, and WCW lost an icon, and they're just going to do it alone. They're not even going to replace Sting. Sting actually then shows up. Mm-hmm. He wants to talk to Luger, but Arn and Flair basically shove him out and say they want no part of it. Sting tries to say, it was not me on Nitro. Luger says, I know it was you. I can't believe it. I didn't believe it then. I don't believe you now. Sting says, well, I'll see you later. And I thought this is an interesting twist that 
Sting, you know, waited a week, I guess, to, to talk to these guys. I waited to right before the match. I don't know why I didn't call them beforehand, but here we go. Uh, tries to rationalize and say, look, you know, NWO is full of shit. We know it. And yet you're believing them. It wasn't me. Uh, but I think they felt they'd been burned by some guys and they weren't going to take the chance. So heading in here, the alliance uh, is shaky a little bit, but there's also not much faith that Sting is going to come through. So what do you think of this promo? I liked it. Um, you are having to use some like wrestling logic brain to a degree with some of the stuff. Um, so I can understand that, but I, I kind of, I can, I can kind of fit along that like, you know, when the lights are on, that's when mm-hmm. they're discussing stuff. So I generally give that a pass one way or the other. Um, I guess it was more the which, Luger part. Um, yeah. I mean, well, because well, they're supposed I mean, to be such good friends. You know what I mean? Unless it's like, he could have at least thrown in there. Like I've been trying to call you all week. You weren't responding. You know, give, give me that at least. Oh, he could or or like height. Maybe he did say it. I said no to down, did he? No, but I mean, they've also, I mean, like, they still didn't say, like, right. Sting hasn't really explained why he wasn't a Nitro, period, either. Right. <laughs> like, you know, he could have said, like, you know, somebody canceled my flight, or, you know, you could have probably added a little flavor and some NWO sabotage or something uh, to make it a little more fleshed out. Um, we talked We're, about how, like I said, to say Luger's not answering because he's mad. Like that's it's true. Just, yeah. Not answering the phone. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Right. Sting and Luger are supposed to be such good friends. I get why he didn't reach out to flair. Cause he's right, kind of like, well, right. fuck you, but him and Luger are portrayed to be like best friends. So to me, it at least explain why have Luger say, I wasn't in the mood to talk to you. I couldn't, I couldn't stand it. Like, just give me that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. Nitpicking, yeah. but you could have said like Luger said, like, you know, I, I stared in your face and you turned your back on me and now I'm staring in your face and wanting an explanation, you know, something right. like that. Yeah, yeah sure. Uh, Flair actually kind of cuts the final money promo right before the match here, which is contrast to Arn doing it uh, for most of the build. He did drop the gene <laughs> goof, but uh, otherwise I thought it was a very good promo. Um, I mean, I think in general, though, this got me excited for the match still, like knowing what was going to happen. But the anticipation, again, I I, th- I thought this was one where the build had really set high expectations for the match itself, where I, w- I was intrigued to see how it played out in uh, application. All right. Well, let's see. As we head into the well-hyped war games, the New World Order. Uh, I, you know, we'll see. They don't have a fourth guy announced either. It's Hollywood Hogan, Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, and presumably Sting against Ric Flair, Arn Anderson, Lex Luger, and maybe Sting. So we'll see. <laughs> perfect setting at the perfect time. This is one, finally, and this is a, a big time problem throughout wrestling history, whether it's Hell in a Cell, uh, modern day war games, even some WCW war games. Where, oh, it's suddenly the month for that, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. This one felt like the perf- this show came at the perfect time. Like, this was believable that war games would pop up here and that these two teams were perfect fits for it. It didn't feel forced or, uh, you know, contrived at all. Right. The rare month where the gimmick pay-per-view event fits perfectly with the story being told. So, good, good for them. And layering all the drama around Sting and the potential fourth man for the NWO, 
Michael Buffer does the full intros, and he says only three New World Order members have been announced. Um, <laughs> and says the fourth will be revealed when it's time to enter. So he's got some inside info. Right. He says the same for WCW. It's unknown if they'll even have a fourth member. We see Ted DiBiase comes down to ringside to watch what's going on. And then we start with uh, probably the two best choices to start the match. Yes. Arn, Arn Anderson and Scott Hall. Tony says for the first time, the rest of the team members will stay in the back until it's their turn, of course. Helps play up some of the mystery around the fourth guy for each team. We get a red hot Anderson star. The crowd is so into it. The commentary is locked in. Dusty says even he feels weird rooting for on here, but that's what we're doing. A really good fight to start. A lot of energy and solid work. A perfect workhorse choices. Uh, they have built the NWO so well. Anytime anyone fights, it feels like a big deal. So like we haven't seen still a ton of their matches. We've talked about this. So seeing Scott Hall in here wrestling Arn Anderson still feels fresh, right? Because yeah. even the NWO is now, Hall's been here, you know, five or six months. It still feels cool. Like he hasn't interacted with a lot of these guys. Yeah, he's but, had three matches. Right? right. Yeah. And it's like him versus Anderson. Like, oh shit. Like that's really cool. Out of nowhere. All of a sudden mm-hmm. Nick Patrick is the ref. He tells Arn, he can stop the match if needed, and Tony's all over that. He's like, no, you can't. Uh, Tony announces the NWO have won the coin toss. <laughs> as Arn keeps Hall grounded, Nash is out next, and Arn meets him head on. Bobby puts over the importance of Ted at ringside. Dusty talks over war game strategy. A lot of good insight. You mentioned earlier, uh, commentary has really been on point tonight using their, you know, their wit and the banter along with um, a lot of the back and forth as well um, as far as, like, providing historical insights. Uh, the Outsiders take over. They beat on Arn for all two minutes that Nash is in there with Hall. Lex Luger's out next. He comes into a big pop. He cleans house. Uh, he has black boots on. Those look kind of weird. But <laughs> still used to the white ones. It's kind of odd. Uh, they battle evenly until Hogan comes out third for the NWO. He gets double teamed by Arn and Luger to a hot crowd reaction, which is kind of a cool moment. We get a big pop for Ric Flair. When he comes in, he's on fire. And it makes no bones about it. it. Doesn't even hide the fact he's using brass knucks to beat the shit out of you guys. <laughs> uh, hits a big low blow on Hall. And then the fourth NWO guy's in, and it is Sting. The fans are booing. Things feel bleak. Nash jackknifes Luger. Bobby says there's no one left for WCW. Dusty and Tony hope someone will come out here to even the odds. Sting beats the shit out of Flair, Arn, and Luger. The announcers are not happy. WCW's horn comes, and out comes... Sting and everyone is relieved. They realize he wasn't lying after all. Uh, why did he take wait the week to talk to Luger? Of course, uh, just a cool moment. Sting is on fire, wrecking the NWO as his teammates just watch a mow through all four, uh, all three guys, all four guys really. Sting tells his team to fuck off. Basically, he says, "Is that good enough?" and walks away scorned. NWO Sting makes a comeback and they they end up getting the Scorpion on Luger, while Hogan chokes Luger and Nick Patrick ends up calling for the bell giving the NWO the win. Dusty Rhodes is hot. He is not happy about any of this. Uh, and I thought it was good to have him on the on the call tonight. I know he doesn't oh, yeah. interviews anyway, but he has so much ties to oh, the Horsemen, the Hoffman, to WCW, to War Games, like all of this layered in. He's such a good fit for it. Uh, the match itself was well done across the board. It was really good heat. The Sting Swerve was a really good one and has big repercussions. Tony's immediately regretful they didn't trust Sting when they should have. I didn't think this was an all-time war games by any means, but so much happened. It's an important one. Um, it is a very good match. There's so much to digest. And again, in what could have been a, yet another pratfall for them, they nailed this two-sting thing. Like, it could have been another chance of a miss, but 
as we've talked about, they continue to make contact and, and knock these things home. Uh, so I went three stars on the match chat. Let's talk about that, and then we'll get into the post-match. Yeah, so I went three and a half. This is probably the most positive I've been on this match at any point in time since I watched it. Um, I thought the build did the match justice. I, before, I'd kind of been disappointed in no blood. I, st- I still would have liked to see probably some blood because it is war games and utilizing the cage a little more. Um, but I did think like the first five minutes between Arn and Hall was like true to the war games nature. It, Cause that that's the biggest problem I have now with like the WWE version of war games is it just feels like, you know, not my war games. Um, so I get disgruntled with that. Mm-hmm. And this one I think is a little bit more of a storyline driven match, but I did like and thought they utilized the cage and the overall mechanics of war games better here than I had uh, judged previously. Um, as far as a couple of caveats, uh, one thing like Dusty saying that he's cheering for Arn Anderson, he never thought he'd say that. I thought that was uh, neat to mm-hmm. hear that, you know. Um, yeah, just a lot of good insight from Dusty talking about how he's started war games, how it's a long time, whatnot. Hall's punches look very good. Uh <laughs> <laughs> the leg getting worked over and then Nick Patrick saying I can stop it right now was a great moment with Dusty going completely nuts saying what is he talking about you cannot stop more games right now like you know just getting so pissed. Uh, very mad at that uh, coin toss of course happens I like how everybody jumped the gun like <laughs> Luger comes in way early and they're like you know the hell with rules that this is what's going to happen uh, Hogan, this is a very good Hogan performance. <laughs> like he comes mm-hmm. out, he's despicable. Uh, his in-ring stuff is despicable. We'll get to the pose match, which is despicable. He shows some ass versus Luger and a cool face-off moment with some big heat. Uh, the fans start chanting for Flair. Um, you know, that uh, Flair comes out and does his great basically like a hot tag uh one way or not and then and then the you get the sting fake out so i liked that it was paid off kind of right away that you know we know they were using a fake sting like i think if we would have had to drag it out Mm -hmm. a little bit longer it wouldn't have seemed believable whereas we talked about on the uh nitro that in the rain and the way they filmed it it looked like the real thing to me um this i thought the one shot they have of him coming down the aisle is probably the most egregious where you can say no that that's not sting and you do know the crowd is kind of getting it because they start chanting we won't sting Mm -hmm. Uh, from a production standpoint, I thought it was smart. They go to a wide angle where yeah. you see both of the cages. Uh, so there's not any close-up shots inside the cage itself to the back of the fake sting. I thought the fake sting sting moves as far as the running kind of bulldog and the stinger splash looked decent and good enough for like a fake version, which I think is what they were going for. Um, and then I love the pop when the real thing comes out. I can, I, I guess this is a point I'll tell you, like, can you get his point of view 
on why he'd be pissed at the WCW guys too? Or should you think he should have just hung in and got the win for him? Because I like the way this was done. Yeah, I mean, I, I yes, I, I think it's believable that he would be pissed. And it's like, you guys, you know, you didn't trust me. We'll win it yourselves kind of thing. Like, he came out and proved his point. And as the stalwart of WCW, as the icon of WCW, felt he earned at least some level of trust. I think his only misstep was waiting to the last minute to come talk right. to them. Um, but I get why he was angry, and I think it was justified Yeah, uh, to give in. Especially because the NWO have not been above tricks like this. If they had never done shit like stunts, you could buy it, but... It's not that far of a leap to think they would have aped him and done that. And yeah, like WCWs are like on edge and expect the worst. So you can see maybe why they jumped to it. Plus, I think what's forgotten in this too is that they did a really nice job leading up to this where the horsemen admitted they didn't like or really trust Stinger Luger. So, of course, as soon as there's any question, they're all over. Like, right? We mm-hmm. should see, we told you. Like, they don't even want to believe it's not him. Um, so it's kind of Luger like stuck on his own trying to figure this all out because Flair and Arn are ready to throw the towel in. Benoit and Mongo were like, yep, see, we told you. Should have spent with us. We're the guys. And Luger doesn't really have anyone to talk sense into him. I think that's part of it, too, to say, no, like, we really think this was Sting that would have done this. Uh, but I'm with you, too. I'm glad that they blew it off right away. We didn't need anything more than this because of the importance of this match is the NWO's whole goal was to do two things, right? It was to win this match, and this was a good way to go about it. And then a side benefit would be, okay, well, we throw a big rift between Sting and WCW. And if that happens, cool, and it happens. So there's no reason to play it out anymore. They got what they needed out of it, so who cares? Yeah, and I think you could also say that, like, the fake Sting fighting the WCW contingent, like they're in this brutal match. It, you know, there could be blurry, fuzzy, all that. So, so I think that works too. Um, them getting the finish with Nick Patrick calling for the bell continues to play off that storyline. That was well done. I thought, and, uh, overall very successful match, a very fun storyline driven war games, you know, NWO wins. So it's another chapter for them winning. Mm Mm-hmm does feel like now that's three pay-per-views in a row that they've kind of dominated. Um, but I do think you're getting some kind of stuff on the WCW side, too. Like, Sting didn't join the NWO full bore. Uh, this is the first time the NWO's kind of had to bait and switch the people with the fake Sting. So there's, there's minor things that you're able to get if you're a big WCW fan. So three and a half stars. Not a uber elite war games, uh, like you said, like behind 87, behind 91, behind 92, for me, behind 94. Um, but very solidly, very good. So three and a half. All right. So that's the match itself. Let's go ahead and get into the post match now because we're not done. <coughs> Excuse me. Luger calls up the aisle. He's calling for Sting. Savage comes out and backs down Hogan into the ring. Out comes the rest of the NWO. They beat Savage down. They leave him in a big heap after Giant plants him with a choke slam. Out comes Miss Elizabeth. She's begging Hogan to stop. Hogan threatens her to back off. Bobby says deep down Liz still loves Ho- uh, Savage, and she lays on him to protect him as Hogan spray paints her. 
just in, incredibly intense here. The NWO is uh, just on fire. Uh, we get a great victory pose photo. Tony says he assumes WCW is going to have to meet all the demands. Savage gets spray painted as well, then choke slammed again. We get a dominant beatdown. No one tries to save. WCW is a complete disarray right now. Just a mess. Tony, Bobby, and Dusty wrap us up. Bobby's nearly in tears saying, you know, if Sting, they could have won with Sting. Why did he leave? Why, why didn't he stay? Hogan comes in and takes over the booth. He steals a sign from a fan that says NWO country. Giant joins him and says, this is brought to us by the Ric Flair Retirement Fund. <laughs> Nash Hall and DiBiase come in as well. And they're all cracking jokes. As DiBiase says, they want every demand met. There'll be no more outsiders, just NWO for life. So I this is a great coda to the show. NWO continues to run rough shot. They're feeling themselves. They feel absolutely dominant. WCW is a mess, uh, which I thought feels organic too. Like it doesn't feel like, well, why is no one helping? Because they've all been so splintered. Like that cohesion's not there. And even when they tried with the Horsemen and Sting and Luger, we've seen all the shit show happen from it. Savage is the only one trying. He gets the shit kicked out of him. The Liz stuff is interesting and well done. They're using all their pieces perfectly. So I thought this is a great ending. Yeah, great ending. Uh a lot of stuff going on. Uh, Randy Anderson and Nick Patrick arguing with each other. Uh, then you got the setup for next month's main mm-hmm. event, Savage versus Hogan. But, you know, Giant's still not done. It's kind of uh, Hogan's big uh, bodyguard kind of role where Hogan's begging off and Giant's able to come in, choke slamming. Stuff with Elizabeth, like you mentioned, was well done. So much history there. Hogan's promo thought was great. He says like these two losers said death they would be together till death do his part and courtesy of the NWO that's going to happen. Uh, Hogan calls them both pieces of trash and spits mm-hmm. on the back of Miss Elizabeth. And Tony goes nuts with that. He calls him the lowest wrestler that's ever walked the face of the earth. Just completely digs in. Uh, it's trash comes raining down from the crowd. Uh, and then they go invade the announce booth, as you said, and we get another classic sign-off. So, mm-hmm. so a great angle to end uh, what I think was a great show and yeah. also give you a hook for next month. Like, you're excited yep. to see Savage versus Hogan now. Yeah. No, they, they set up so much. Everything's clicking right now, just everything. Falling into place. They're not missing any of these uh, layups. Even right down to including Liz in the story. And there's so much history there, too, that they can right. tap into between Savage, Hogan, and Liz. Um, it's just perfect that they're leveraging all these pieces that they have available to them. I, I love Bobby lamenting, too, that if Sting had only stayed, they could have won. Shows the right. stakes that's involved in everything. So uh, it's it's been great. So oh, it'll yeah. be interesting to see how we follow this on Nitro tomorrow night. What these, what these you know, asks are by the NWO and if they're met and everything else. So. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get to our awards as we wrap things up, Chad. Uh, actually, before that, then on Northside Connection, you want to plug real quick? Uh, so shows every day. The uh, night we're recording, Ruthlessly Aggressive did their Royal Rumble 2003 podcast dropped. Uh, that show's actually going on a bit of a hiatus uh, for the summer, the summer months with Jambalaya Jake, but... Uh, Interested to give that a listen. That's kind of an interesting show to reevaluate on that. Uh, what else? Kind of newish in the past. We're, we're finally done with WrestleMania 2 on Cronosa Daily, <laughs> yes. which was nice. So on, on to more stuff in 1986. 
and then you should be uh, the the week this this podcast comes out should be seeing some Ryan Gray modern mm-hmm. WWE. Uh, coverage probably as we head into what is it extreme rules backlash. i keep i keep backlash. wanting to say backlash. it is backlash yep. okay i keep wanting to say backlash because they changed it now it's back and i don't want to say it at all anymore so yeah ryan will be previewing that and also of course viewers choice right afterward right with uh, marcus and tim uh, also new, new general missions back too they just had their episode with king of the ring 93 and the fallout from that will be coming so it's good to have them back in the fold as well all right, let's get to our awards, Chad. We'll, we'll close this out. Um, so, uh, match of the night, I went with Jericho and Benoit. Yeah, me too. That was the only match I had at four stars. Uh, a lot of very good matches on this show. Right. But that was the only one to clip four stars for me. It's an incredibly consistent show. Um, yeah. Nothing down. I know? mean, the worst thing is Ice Train versus Norton for me, right. and that's seven minutes and right. very, like, second on the card stuff. All right, best moment. I'm going with the Sting Sting arrival. Yeah, it's 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 close, but and I did a little bit of a cheat because I, uh, you know, we know what happened. So mm-hmm. this is really the last time you get WCW Surfer Sting. Yep. In WCW, so so this is it, a character that he'd had for eight and a half years in the promotion. Mm-hmm. This is this is the final glimpse of that character so it's it's a big moment but even as a moment in time it was a big moment got a great reaction so sting coming out for me too not the very last though i think we might see him on nitro that's true that's something you forget so he i'm interested to see that because i do always forget that uh, I did give Sting the MVP though. Um, I th- the whole show was built around him. Uh, I think he's great backstage, and when he comes out and cleans house and gives the fu, like that's what you remember from the show is Sting giving the final f f off. I mean, guys <laughs> had great matches and moments, but to me, Sting, uh, the show is about him. If you leave this show thinking anything, it's it's Sting. I, I yeah, I think there's a lot of candidates actually. Um, from a work rate standpoint, I think Benoit, Jericho, but um, from storyline perspective, I really like what Hogan did tonight. I like what Savage did. I thought Giant played his role well. Um, but yeah, I'm giving it to Sting as well. Uh, he was kind of the the uh, main crux of the entire will he or won't he, and he answered that question without mm-hmm. fully you know, just aligning himself with WCW, which was nice to see. I, th- I think that's a swerve that works. Like, yep. It, it feels very different from what we'd seen in WCW, WWF up to this point from a storyline perspective. All right. Uh, some commentary lines. They're vandals. We've seen that many times. That was Tony. <laughs> uh, you know what uncle means? Dusty. His dad got laid off 14 times in one week from a job. He's a real quitter. That was Bobby. Not unless you're a good ventriloquist. You can throw your voice like it's his. It was Dusty. That's part of the Mexican gang attitude Conan has now. That was Tanay. Super Colo Expialidocious. That was Bobby. (laughs) Dusty goes, I knew you were going to say that. Uh, WCW, World Clubber and Wrestling. That was Bobby. And then Tony with uh, that big jerk called Kogan. Yeah. Any lines you picked up beyond those? Uh, no, I, I think I tried to mention them, but a very strong night on commentary, all mm-hmm. three, Antony, 
at it a lot. Mike Tanay, um, so uh, Mike Tanay, yeah, very, very, uh, very good night. Bob, Bobby's been good. He's been good. Yeah, he, he hasn't dropped yet. I know, like it feels like when the NWO starts is when he goes downhill, but not yet. Yeah, he. I, I feel like even the first couple of weeks he was a little couldn't find his role yet. And now I feel like he's been better the last month or so. Like he's been very solid. I mean, he had the road, the hot wild thing, right, whatever, right, where he may have been dropped. Yeah, blame him there. So there you go. Uh, all right, shots fired. The only one I had was just today plugging the hotline about the Hall yes. and Nash rumors, and uh, no dropped angles, no debut. Well, no debuts. We've had pay per view debuts, but I think everyone's mm-hmm. at least on TV, right? Even Colo. Yep. We had seen him, right? Yeah, we saw Colo versus Pat Tanaka. That's right. Same thing. Um, all right. And final grade time. So we've been super high on the pay-per-views, right? So Hogwild, yeah. Chad, I went seven and a half. Bash of the Beach, nine. Great American Bash, eight. And that's pretty much the bulk of it. Slambury, you know, we were down. Yeah, right, right. Uh, But since the NWO era, the Outsiders era, they've all been great. And I continue that trend. I went eight and a half out of ten for this show, um, which actually puts it above Great American Bash, which maybe I was low on Bash in retrospect. But, like, I don't know what more we could have wanted here, I guess, besides, like, another higher-end match. But the fact that everything is, like, over three and a quarter ish, except for a couple matches. It's incredibly consistent. There's no bullshit. We go match, 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 match. Commentary is great. Storylines are great. An iconic all time moment to close it. Everyone hit their mark. It's just a tremendous pay per view. Yeah, I thought it was another great show. I went eight and a half as well on my personal ratings. That puts it right below Great American Bash, which I have as nine. Bash mm-hmm. Beach at 9.5. So, you know, like Hogwild was a little bit of a deal, but I still went seven for mm-hmm. me. So still very good. But you look at this and like four pay-per-view stretch and that, that's really cranking. Like, I, I don't know. Like that's, that's, I don't know if there's another four pay-per-view stretch that I'd be seven right. up on. Like it, it's <laughs> up there for sure. Yeah. I mean, I'd have to look back at like back or Armageddon 2000. Yeah, I don't think it, one is that good because you yeah. got rumble. Oh one, no way out. Oh one WrestleMania 17. Like that's the closest. Yep. And I just don't think army. I mean, Armageddon's pretty good. I think so. I, I'd have to look at that card. I don't think more. Armageddon 2000 or backlash. Oh one get to seven. Um, I think they're, I mean, I for sure think Backlash is, and I think Armageddon. Well, Armageddon's got a really good main event. Well, I mean, Armageddon has like a four and a half star main event, but nothing else. Like, they're not. I mean, Jericho Kane's okay, but not great. So, yeah, this might be it. I mean, it's like a one match show and nothing. Um, Yeah, I know we like '94 a lot, WCW, because you get that Super Brawl to Bash of the Beach stretch, but maybe that's in there. 94, I would have to think what I would rank Super Brawl. Um, That would be the pivot there. Um, Because I know Halloween Havoc wouldn't get there. I don't think Starcade 93 would get there if you go the other way. Um, 
Now, if Super Brawl, if I rewatch it and it is seven, I definitely think Spring Stampede and Slamboree are mm-hmm. way above that. And then Bash of the Beach is probably seven. I was out of 10 or so seven and a half so super brawl is the make or break on that one yeah yeah i mean but well the thing too is we'll see with halloween havoc but you know they they may continue to add to this run like we'll see how halloween havoc fall brawl 94 is pretty good too though so if you take off super brawl and you want to go the other way uh yeah i'd have to again look Mm. at the undercard but that's could be another and then, I mean, show. if you want to get cheap, right, like, I mean, I don't know if there's four consecutive takeovers, probably like an 18 or 19 in there somewhere. Right, maybe. If you want to go to that level, but, um, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think of 97. King of the Ring kind of sucks, but mm-hmm. you get some more Sam are great. Ground Zero and Bad Blood have two great batches, but similar to Armageddon 2000 as a show, it's shaky. Right. So, yeah, I mean, it's... Yeah, it's, it's tough to get four in a row. Like, like even thinking, like, I mean, 87's a strong gear for the two WWE pay-per-views, but then you get either Royal Rumble or WrestleMania 4, whichever way you go, it's not a 7 out of 10. Then. How about how about SummerSlam 89 to WrestleMania 6? Uh, Survivor Series probably kills it. Well, I don't, I mean, I, even WrestleMania 5, I think, is close for 7 out of 10, because that's a bloated show. Right. So it's, 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 well, you'd be, you're saying, after I'm saying that. start at SummerSlam. I think SummerSlam, Rumble 90, and 6 would be seven. Maybe. Yeah. So it comes down to what your feelings are on Survivor not Series. Bad. That's not a bad one. I yeah. mean, it's a straight nostalgia show. But. Right. That's probably close. And mm-hmm. then. I mean, I don't know, 92 is the only other one I can think of. Rumble, Mania 8, SummerSlam. Yeah, I just watched Rumble 92 because I'm watching 1992 as a whole. That's an interesting show because, mm. I mean, like, what's great is so great on that show. But good God, that know, Beverly Brothers yeah. Bushwhackers match is such a, like... It's tough to know how much to punish that. Right. Because you can't say, well, that's just one match, but it is like it's twenty minutes. Like it's not right. a short match or nothing either. It's 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 twice I mean it's it is just it is it is probably for the length of time one of the worst pay per view matches in history, honestly, because it gets fifteen plus minutes and it's maybe a half star <laughs> like it is i have to look bad. at my ptv grades i'm sure i was over a seven though for that show i would think yeah i would think that would be a seven i don't know about SummerSlam either though that's that's a weird show for me and, and survivor series to be honest i i don't know i'm gonna check really quick i'm confident i, I might have been over seven in all those let me mm. check really quick um but yeah, I mean, either way, this is some rarefied air, and like like you said, it may even continue. Like, who knows that this is it? So, uh, actually, Survivor Series only went five and a half. So yeah, I just don't think Survivor Series is that great. SummerSlam, I went seven and a half. Mm-hmm. Rumble, I went nine and a half. And yeah, WrestleMania, I went eight. I definitely don't think for Rumble I could go even nine and a half because of that match. I, I'd probably be like eight and a half, nine. But, right. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're in Rare Fred Air. We'll see if they can continue with Halloween Havoc. 
if that holds up. But WCW is red hot. So I'm looking forward to our next episode in two weeks when we get to Nitro to see how they follow up on this. How does Sting explain what's going on? What are the demands? So we get more revelations. Like, it really feels like we're going to get more and more NWO. So how does that affect it, too? Because it's been great the way they've done it. Are we going to already start to get watered down at all? Right. Yeah. That's the big thing now. Where you got a lot of members now. When does it start getting saturated right when are they on too much like when do they dominate too much of the show and i don't know why but i thought six had already showed up i I keep i know i know i keep thinking like i think it's very soon though it's very soon yeah yeah i just keep thinking in my mind he was there by like september but he's not at least mid-september yeah uh and then of course so in two weeks we'll get the go home raw for mind games and uh, <laughs> be tough to see yeah. if mind games can compete with this. <laughs> yeah, well, that, I mean, that's another show. It'll be interesting when we get to our final rankings more than not, but I, I'll, I'll watch, I'll watch the rest of the show with an open mind. We also have six nitros before Halloween havoc. So we have a lot of ground. To yeah. Cover. A lot of bill. Okay. How are they going to fill that time? Is they going to get wonky or long? Um, that's a pretty big gap for WCW for pay-per-views. Right. Havoc's not until, you know, the 27th. So, all right. So we'll be back in two weeks. This is a fun deep dive through fall brawl. Cover the follow-up nitro. Follow the go home from raw. So then smell the napalm. We'll talk to you soon.